This is episode number 31 of the Abuse Talk podcast with me, Jennifer Gilmore. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore. I turned my mess into a message. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and believe that together we are louder. Each fortnight, there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast, a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. But today we are sharing something different. We're introducing survivor stories, those who have lived it, experienced it and are willing to share. In this episode, I speak with Charlotte Budd. She is a mum and a survivor of domestic abuse and campaigns for hashtag justice for FC children. Before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to Rockpool. They're the main sponsors for Hashtag Abuse Talk and they have recently been funded by the Big Lottery. Rockpool are pleased to announce that they will be working with nine domestic violence agencies to deliver their online version of the Adult Domestic Abuse Recovery Toolkit. So you can find out more about that on their website, rockpool.life, and congratulations to them. I also need to say a big thank you to Susan Rahima and Katrina Hay for supporting the Hashtag Abuse Talk tier on my Patreon account. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Jen L Gilmore. Because they're on that tier, they find out all of the um, Twitter chat themes ahead of anybody else so they can find out what they want to join in with. They have an inside feel of what the app development is looking like. They receive any news and updates before anybody else. If you want to join in, just find it patreon.com forward slash Jen L Gilmore. Right, hi everyone. I am delighted to have the lovely Charlotte Bud with us today. And we're talking really about something that's passionate and we've just had a little conversation about really the link um, and how I feel about what she's doing to raise awareness and make a difference and change in systems. Anyway, I don't want to divulge into too much because I'm going to let Charlotte um, talk about it herself and share a bit of her story. So Charlotte, hi, welcome. Um, How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Obviously, you you look like um, such a busy person, you know, going through all this campaigning and um, obviously we'll get on to the fundraising as well, which is, you know, really quite exciting. So it's really quite interesting to have you on and speaking with us today. Yeah, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak out about everything and obviously to raise awareness of domestic abuse, family courts and everything else surrounding it is really important yeah so um you reached out to me because you were talking about the hashtag justice for fc children and that's abbreviated for family court children isn't it yes it is so tell us a bit more about um that you know side of it and um, why you are raising awareness yeah of course so i was in a very abusive Uh, relationship and marriage um 
my ex-husband was very controlling he would control finances he was verbally and emotionally abusive um and then that um abuse then turned into violent physical violence um yeah so th there were so many incidences i had my daughter when she was nine days old as a baby um i was holding home in my arms and he threatened to after a discussion he said something about me rolling my eyes at him and he sort of threatened to smash me in the head and then exploded and, and stormed out and that became a regular occurrence um he also had issues with drug drink, drink and drugs um and he took crack cocaine and heroin um this sort of went on for months uh, until my daughter was about three months old and then one night he came home drunk and my daughter was asleep upstairs she, she was obviously a tiny baby um and i remember really feeling like oh my gosh here we go that he'd never sort of come home drunk like that before um, he became quite volatile and argumentative. I was really conscious of my daughter being there and asleep upstairs um, and tried to keep things calm. Eventually, I asked him to leave the house um, and he became more and more agitated. Um, he, he would then, so he started calling me names and becoming really aggressive and making threats. I then said, you know, I think you should leave and um, if not, I'll call the police. Uh, he would then, which was something quite often, he would say, you know, this is my house. The, um, I pay the bills here. You don't do anything. Um, and then he, I, I think he pushed me against the wall and started to push his phone in my face um and the whole time saying that he wanted me dead i managed to get away and he then kicked me in the back and smashed a glass panel everywhere luckily the police turned up shortly after that and he was arrested and it was that at that time that i made the decision and took the opportunity to not let him come back mm -hmm. um, Obviously, I was really conscious of the effects on my daughter being so young and being in that environment. And that was the biggest thing that drove me, I think, to leave him. Um, unfortunately, the abuse continued. And I, and I think that this is a misconception in society, but also that comes from the police from family court and other entities around that when you leave that abusive relationship, that the abuse automatically ends and that's simply not true um, and I think that that's something that there needs to be like a real re-education on and what what family court tend to do is then continue to put you back into that abusive relationship via child arrangements but so I, I had left him my daughter was very young I was very conscious of his his violent behavior um, I was very conscious of his drug use, um, so I allowed him to have child contact, but gradually he still continued to be abusive, um, and that continued, and there was, he made a threat to kill me, um, he, 
would gut me like a fish and me if I ever met anybody else um, and he'd stabbed my family and anybody that I met um, and he also assaulted me while I was holding my daughter who at that time was uh, around a year old um, I contacted the police um, who were they you know that the police show up and they do their job as individuals and they tick all the right boxes and you will get police officers that are compassionate and empathetic sometimes and they say all the right things but then in this particular situation they went away and they they didn't make an arrest for three weeks and it was me going in there physically going into the police station saying what are you going to do about this what are, you know we have two women a week in this country that end up dead that kind of complacency should not be happening today mm. in age um eventually they did get hold of him and they spoke to him and they brought him in uh, and there was no further action um and then <laughs> a lot a few months after that I got the first letters going forward into family court so he tried to he took arrangements um I'm still going through family court unfortunately um but I was left really horrified by the family court situation mm. um there was a lot of wrongdoing with my case and I and I think like most people they go into it completely naively um not really knowing what to expect and I think you just think they're going to do the right thing we're in the year 2000 and whatever in the UK there's no way they're going to give a heroin addict who has these violent episodes where there are police records there was recorded evidence witnesses to his behavior they're not going to just hand my child over when she was such a young baby and so vulnerable and they're not going to put me in that situation but I was left fighting for our rights um our basic human rights and I was left shocked and I still am to this day by what they did in my case but also to the cases of so many other women that I came across mm. who had very similar experiences so I think at one point I just thought enough I'm not I'm not going to take I'm not going to just take this laying down partly because as well I have a daughter myself and I thought what kind of world are we living in where still as victims of abuse and children don't have rights within the system mm. and are being treated as kind of like second class citizens um so I started digging around and that's when I met my campaign partner, Victoria Hudson, who had been campaigning for a long time. Um, we started to campaign under Justice for FC Children. Um, uh, yeah, and, uh, her child was actually wrongfully removed mm. from um, the relator from her, herself in her case. And I think this is another thing that family court do when women stand up and fight they use your child as a kind of tool and weapon against you in a lot of, in a lot of situations so yeah we started to fight together um and in light of everything that's been going on recently with the domestic abuse bill 
um, going into Parliament where obviously so many women told their stories, so many campaigners and women's charities came forward speaking. Um, it just couldn't be denied any longer that there is a problem within Family Corp. So, so basically now it has been recognised that there is a problem and change is needed. But what we're asking for under our campaign is um, a review of cases because while it's great that that's being recognised, there are so many children out there as we speak who are in unsafe contact orders or have been wrongfully removed. Mm. And they have a lifetime of abuse ahead of them if they don't if we don't start to review those cases and undo the wrong that's been done um so we are asking everybody really to lobby together and and get this message out to their mps and we're trying to get through to um alex chalk and so robert buckland and and get this review done we decided to do a fundraiser um for for the for the campaign to raise awareness and to kind of kick start it all so this weekend on the 3rd of october i will be trekking ben nevis to raise money um the money will go to s-u-t-t-d-a stand up to domestic abuse which is run by rachel williams um there are now a few other uh mums going a few other survivors going with which is great um sarah and georgia so yeah we're, we're gonna go up there on the 3rd of october and we've raised we've hit our target now i think so that's really good well i'm just looking at it and um you've got um the target was two thousand pounds and you've got two thousand and eighty five which is you know it's amazing isn't it um and i've been having a look through everything um that obviously charlotte sent me and do you know what what a powerful um story could you imagine if everybody recognized the wrongdoing in the systems and then everybody individually started to take a stand on that and we all stood together to do it because unfortunately there's probably many people out there that trust in the system and I've got to hold my hand up at first I you know like what you were saying Charlotte I walked into the family court system and thought it's going to be okay because they're going to recognize that this is wrong and that they're not going to you know put my children in that situation and that wasn't the case at all I felt like I was fighting for them to believe what I was even saying um, and almost predicted what was going to happen and then that eventually flourished and then you know I was able to move on and thankfully I'm one of the um, small percentage, I think it's 1% that have a no contact order, um, but that took, you know, years um, to get to that point and years that those children were emotionally and, um, you know, minor physical abuse um, within that as well. Um, so Charlotte, you know, you're doing something that is completely amazing really because, there are few people that are able to really speak about you know what's happened and recognize that um how do you manage to to do it in terms of 
you know, emotionally, how do you manage to take those steps and, you know, talk about your experiences and, you know, campaign this way without it, you know, taking a toll on you? I think um, I was able to see my ex-partner for what he was quite quickly. Um, And I sort of took a stand quite quickly and I was able to maybe gain some of my own power back. Mm. um quicker than what most do because it i think domestic abuse is so undermined and so misunderstood um people don't or abusers don't just become violent they're not isolated incidences there are many forms of other abuse and in that are not always recognised, that are woven into that, that happen around those violent incidences, that really interest women into that situation mm-hmm. in the long term. Um, yeah, and, and that enables the perpetrators to continue to be violent. Now, I, I was lucky enough in a way that I saw some of that, um, and the timing might... I, I believe also that he was there for money reasons. My, we used to live with my parents in a, in a farmhouse um, in Essex. And it was after I became pregnant, which again isn't unusual for abuse to start for women when they become pregnant because of the, the control aspect. Um, but my family actually lost all their money. They went through a, a court case and lost all their money. And that's when he then started to become abusive. And it was really, it happened quite quickly, really. Mm. So I think it was more obvious for me to see. And I took a step back and thought, oh my gosh, this isn't right at all. Um, and like I said before, I think my daughter was a major push for me to not stand for this. Um, but because of me leaving quite quickly, I, I left when she was three months old, it did enable me to gain some of that control back, I think. Mm. And although it all abuse has an effect, I have tried to do my best to turn this into something positive. Mm. Um, and obviously I've come across so many other women that have lost their voice, not just because of the abuse they've suffered in the relationship, but the institutional abuse they've suffered from the system. Mm-hmm. And they've been so trodden down um, and so dismissed and, and, and denied that they have lost their voice. And I, and I saw that so many times it really drove me to try and do something because I hadn't quite lost my voice Mm. I I think you know I don't find it easy it doesn't come naturally to me doing any of it I just feel like it's a necessity Mm, yeah no that that makes sense and obviously you're um you you spoke about the children that you're thinking about all across the UK probably even the world but I know we're UK specific with this um you know that are subjected to abuse because they're stuck in those contact orders um what would be an ideal solution to this you know how can courts change to recognise what is happening? 
Mm. Well, I, childhood trauma isn't something new. Freud spoke about it and John Bowlby spoke about it in their works of childhood trauma and the long-term effects that that has on a child's brain and then going into adulthood. So I, I don't understand why family court and all the entities around them have not recognised this and don't take this into their into their decision making but moving forward a i strongly believe that we need redress on the cases that where children have been wrongly removed or where there are unsafe contact orders um and i think there are ways of putting teams of people together who are kind of a fresh set of eyes from the outside who are actually domestically abused trained and yeah who are trained properly i don't think there is adequate training in fact for magistrates and judges and kafkas officers um there needs to be far more abuse training and um also the presumption of contact very early on in the cases you know, a child needs stability and a child needs to know where they stand in the world and they need safety. That should be paramount, not, oh, they should be put in the abuser's hands and see the abuser mm. um, because they share the same DNA. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's really difficult and I, and I don't know what you think, but um, sometimes it feels like it just depends on who you get. You know, like what you were saying about the, you know, the police, that some police officers are empathetic and understand. And then on the other side, you might not get that. It kind of feels a bit like that in the family court system, whether that's the um, judge or whether that's the CAFCAFs officer. I remember looking back at my situation and speaking to my solicitor before a court hearing, and she was like, oh yeah, he's pro-father, so the likelihood, the outcome of this particular hearing, this is what I think will happen, but we'll plan for this, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, why should we even have pro-father judges or pro-whatever judges? They're not meant to be there with that sort of agenda um so how do you feel about um about that do you think it is dependent on the person is it the fact that it's regional or is it just one big mess <laughs> <laughs> i i think it's a combination i think that there does need to be an overhaul of family court the guidelines the training that it that is involved um but there, but there are cases, unfortunately, like you said, yeah, it's, it comes down to the individual. There are cases where, that I've come across where the 12J practice hasn't been put into, into practice, where there's no, been no safe measures, where um, victims have been forced to do their own cross-examination, where no drug thing is, um, is being given when it's needed. And those things are just, they shouldn't be happening anyway. And one of the issues around that is the secrecy of family court enables all those things to go unseen and unheard. Mm. And then if somebody tries to stand up and speak out about that, they're penalised and punished for it. Mm. Um, it just enables a, a really dangerous, dangerous situation for children and victims of abuse when magistrates or judges are just given this kind of godlike power 
and then they're not held accountable Mm. no well thank you for that um obviously you mentioned that you're still going through the process so how are you feeling you know now about things have things changed for you is it you know been a long process or how are you feeling yeah it's family court is a it's it's a traumatic experience I think and for anybody and it's tiring and it you know it it's it's just hard to go through I think and it's still going on it's been going on for a few years now um and it's hard to see an end and especially when we're fighting for these changes and we're hoping they're going to happen as soon as possible Mm, no thank you well can you just remind us of what you're doing um in october we're really in october by the time this is um, broadcast but what you're going to do next weekend (laughs) yeah so on the 3rd of october i will be climbing ben nevis um it's to raise awareness for our campaign and and all the issues we've spoken about to do with domestic abuse um we'll be raising money to su tda stand up to domestic abuse run by rachel williams um yeah and there's a few other uh, survivors going with us which is great so it will be all over my twitter and youtube uh, so feel free to follow that right well um i think it's on a gofundme page isn't it so what i will do is i will pop um all of the links so everybody can get through really fast um in the description so everyone can just grab them straight away um but how do do you have a twitter handle then that you could share with us yes i do it's just at bud charlotte nice and simple and easy (laughs) well i want to say uh you know huge thank you charlotte for you know sharing you know the experiences that you've gone through and that you shouldn't have gone through especially with the trust that we all had in the system um and thank you for you know trying to make that difference and you know keep going with it um I'm, i'm gonna follow your journey and look for results as well and um you know be there if you need anything in terms of you know that side of campaigning so thank you so much um, for spending the time with me today thank you for the opportunity of speaking because it's so important that we have journalists mps with integrity and that are brave and brave enough to speak out and and help help as well it's all part and parcel no thank you A big thank you to Charlotte once again for joining us. Um, Check out the hashtag justice for FC children when you have a moment and I will pop all of the links in the description so you can find it about her Ben Nevis trek and everything that she is doing. Um, We do wish her well here on hashtag abuse talk, something close to our hearts. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on the next um, podcast episode. You can also listen to us on Access Northwest Radio Station online and that's Wednesdays at 8pm, Saturdays at 2pm and Mondays at 5am for those early birds out there. Finally, you have been listening to Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings. Both can be found on Amazon or on my website, jennifergilmore.com. Music